Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. I'm glad to have you here once again with us. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. Today, we have an exciting program for you. We're going to be talking about the customer experience. One of the biggest issues that most of my clients struggle with is how to attract their ideal customers. As a strategist myself, I struggle with this, with keeping up with the changing expectations of my customers, especially over the last 20 months. The COVID pandemic has completely turned our idea of the customer experience on its head. So today's guest is an expert when it comes to customer experience, Lieutenant Colonel Nicholas Z. Zeisler. Did I say that right? That's absolutely right. Z it is. <laughs> is a customer experience PA, certified customer experience professional. A Lean Six Sigma black belt, a certified scrum master, and a recovering PMP. And that's project management professional, guys. He's a former Fortune 100 customer experience executive, an independent consultant, and a fractional chief customer officer. As a reservist, he's an assistant professor at the U.S. Air Force Academy, where he teaches statistics of anything else. Statistics. Somebody has to do it, Dana. Yes. Over 20 years of consulting, he's helped companies and industries as varied as energy technology, insurance, government, healthcare, and nonprofits with large, with clients large and small. He's the host. He's so hosted. <laughs> let's get that right. He's hosted dozens of webinars, keynoted conferences, and guested on countless podcasts, sharing his message about the importance of having a purpose for customer experience and taking action to make it happen. He lives in Denver, Colorado with his partner and his awesome dog. When not working, he spends summers at baseball games and water skiing. My husband is a huge baseball fan. So let's all give a charged up studio welcome to Lieutenant Colonel Nicholas Zeisler. Dana, hi. Good morning to you. I know it's afternoon out there, but it's morning. Yes, it is afternoon. Beautiful Colorado. How should I address you? Lieutenant Colonel, Nicholas, Nick, what? 
Uh, Z is Z is just fine. It's Z funny that you would fine. say that. I, I remember having uh, having a professor when I was in college, and uh, this, this this will kick off the the, the podcast with with uh, errant apropos of nothing uh, anecdote. If that'll help, that's okay. <laughs> if you it's taught all, me something, it's all that, a conversation here. That's yeah, all it is. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I've been I've been in 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 the Air Force for almost thirty years, and. Um, I learned this great line from a professor when I was an undergrad. Uh, and uh, at some point, our class recognized that he wasn't a PhD. You know, he was, was like me, I'm a professor, and I'm not a PhD. And somebody, you know, we asked him at one point, hey, we noticed that you're, you're not a PhD, we've been calling you Dr. So and so. And he says, yeah, I noticed. And he was really dry like that good sense. Yeah. of humor. was like, Oh, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> we said, well, what should we call you? And he said, sir, we'll be fine. And he meant it tongue in cheek, uh, tongue in cheek, but it's still is still kind of a little joke that I like to play on the cadets at some at, at times. They can't pronounce my name, and I just say, "Well, sir, will be fine." But oh my! But goodness. don't call me sir, Dana. That's right. I won't call you sir. I'll call you Z. Okay. <laughs> so, um, customer experience is one of the biggest or, or the most uh, important aspects when it comes to growing a business, because. You know, my tagline with my customers is, with my clients is, without customers, there is no business. And I tell them, it's like being pregnant without a way to deliver. Think about it. You're yeah, all ready yeah. to deliver that baby. <laughs> I'm the business <laughs> yeah. birthing specialist, and you have no customers. Yeah, yeah, you, know? you bet. Yeah. yeah. I'll so, just up and know where to go, kind of. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, what is customer what is the customer, is, is it customer support or customer service? What, explain to my audience, what is customer, the customer experience? I love that question, Dana, because that's yeah. one of the things that kind of kicks around in CX circles, you know, theoretically all the time. What's CX? How does it differ? Um, you know, how is it differentiated? What does it even mean? And, you know, one of the things that I find as a, as a consultant and as, a, and as a fractional chief customer officer is a lot of businesses don't really necessarily understand what it is. Uh, the algorithm on LinkedIn, for example, is always bombarding me with opportunities, you know, uh, jobs here, apply for this job for customer success, VP of customer support or service. And and I like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not what I do. And uh, with with all due respect and deference and an acknowledgement that customer support, customer service, customer care, customer success are not all the same thing. So I'm not, I don't mean to, you know, devolve those all down to the same thing or to show any disrespect. I recognize and appreciate and respect that all of those are different things. But from a discipline, from an operational perspective, they all differ in the same way from what customer experience is. I'll get to that in a second, but you can define customer experience as a transactional thing. I go to the grocery store, the produce was nice and fresh, the checkout person was incredibly efficient, and I got the right change back. That was a great customer experience, right? Customer experience can be transactional like that. It can also be longitudinal from uh, from the perspective of, well, I went to your website and I found just the sort of product that I was looking for. I, there was all sorts of great information on there, a picture, full full color picture of it, right? Uh, I put it into my, into, into the checkout cart, right? And then I went to the checkout. It took me over to PayPal. It brought me right back to the website. It delivered within three weeks, just like you promised. I opened it up. It worked all right. I had a question about it. I called 
called. Uh, customer support, for example, was was there and helpful, and it was, walked me through the confusion of the question that I had. I used it for three years. Uh, it it finally broke, but three years seemed about right for this product. And so when I needed a new one, I went right back to your website and, and started the whole process up again. That is a journey-long customer experience as well, right? You can also say that customer experience is the culmination of my Dana, yours, my neighbor, my partner, everybody who interacts with your brand has their own customer experiences, the collective experiences across all that wide variety of customers is also your customer experience from a corporate perspective. Uh, the way I approach CX, though, and the way that I practice CX is completely different. And back now again to customer support, customer service, customer care, customer success. Within your organization, you're the CEO, you run this great company and you produce a product or you deliver a service for your customers. You have all of those things, customer support, customer care, right? They are responsible for making your customers whole in the sense that there's an issue they call in and your professionals on the front line take care of them. They, they, they fix the issue. They get your customers back up and running and make, uh, make your customers' day transactionally again, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the, for instance, if I have an issue, I call in customer service, customer support, customer care. And I say, I, I have one of your widgets, Dana. You make great widgets, but they're, the flange on the inside of your widget is broken and I need it fixed. Somebody from your customer care, customer support, or customer success team has one job, and that job is to get me that flange right away, you know, overnight it to me, walk me through the process of taking the old flange out, putting the new flange in, getting it reset, getting it started up, and getting me back to whole, getting me back up and running with the widget that you sold me, that you warranted, perhaps, or whatever it might be. That's customer support, customer care, customer service, customer uh, success. That's their job. Customer experiences job, and that's a whole different department headed by a chief customer officer, an office of the customer. Customer experiences job is to answer the question, why the hell is it that so many of, so many of our customers' flanges are breaking inside of our widgets? Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at the design, at the quality, at the maybe uh, sub uh, um, uh, subcomponent system. Maybe we've got a supplier that's producing flanges that aren't good enough and, and don't withstand the way that our customers interact with them. Customer support, customer care, they work on instances when customers need things to be done right and to be gotten back to right. Customer experience takes a look at the entire experience of your customers, takes a look at all of the ways in which you're missing that brand promise and not fulfilling that brand promise, and then turns, ironically, since it's considered customer experience, turns internally and fixes the way that you do things. It leverages process engineering, Lean, Six Sigma, Kaizen, uh, uh, project management for sure, uh, change management to right. fix and change the way you do what you do right. so that you not just can make your customers whole, which is what customer support and customer care do, but to avoid those instances in the first place by improving the way you do what you do. 
interesting that you talk about this because while you're talking about this, I think back to, you know, uh, times when I have run into this type of uh, scenario. And I used to work for a design firm um, that built schools, you know, um, and they, they, they designed schools. They didn't build them. Okay. And the architectural designs when they're out in the field and the contractors are working with them, there's a, there was a lean to shed on the back and they were consistently having problems with that lean to shed leaking. Mm. And they figured out how to fix it and they fix it and everything, but they wouldn't carry through that fix into the original drawings. Right. Okay. So they were consistently coming up with this problem. And so I understand what you're talking about, in the sense of the experience side of things, when you find a problem and you see it consistently happening, you want to make sure that you can stop that internally, which adds to that experience process. Absolutely. Okay. That, that, that absolutely nails it, Dana. That is, that's it. 100% exactly. the purpose of, of CX, as exactly. opposed to customer support and customer care. Okay. All right. Because customer support and customer care in that instance would be responsible for, oh, well, we better get out to this school that we just finished building and patch up the roof or, or, exactly. or find a way to drain the water differently and take care of our customers in that moment. Right, right. And a lot of times, you know, uh, the reasons that these aren't taken care of is because we get so wrapped up in business that we don't take those proactive approaches. Yeah. You know. And, and you know, another, another reason it happens then is because people think that CX is just CS yeah. and that S can be support or service or success, right. but they think that that's all it is. Oh, we've got great CX because we've got fantastic frontline people who are, you know, they're very empathetic and they're very engaged and they're looking for win-win situ- you know, solutions and, and they know our product and they know our customers needs. All of that's great. And you shouldn't not do that. <laughs> right. Right. But don't think that that's what CX is, because it isn't. CX is taking all the learnings from that, incorporating it into your broader voice of the customer, customer insights program, and right. then acting on it. It's the acting on it systemically. It's the acting on it internally uh, that makes the difference, that, that draws the difference between all of these other very valuable parts of your organization and CX on the other hand. So. Let's take it a, a, a step further, okay? Let's talk about watching the trends and determining, trying to determine where the customer's needs will come, okay? Okay. By what's happening out in the market, where the trends are going, you know, let's get, let's think outside the box. How can we use the customer experience process or customer experience to basically get in front of what the customer wants before they even know what they want? Well, yeah. Well, I'll, um, I, I won't deign to know what customers want before they want it. I'm not, uh, I, I used to joke with folks when I, uh, when I was working internally that uh, they'd say, well, our customers don't know what they want. And I say, okay. And you, and you think you do? <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's just like anything, you know, you, they don't know that they want something until they've seen it. They've seen it, you know, out there and they realize that it's great. I said, you know, that's 
awesome because that's how, for example, and I'm sure everybody listening to this is thinking of Apple. That's how Apple. It's, it's exactly what's going through my mind right yeah. now. Yeah. And I say, yeah. and, and I, and I would always kind of snarkily reply, okay, great. Well, and if you think you're the next Steve Jobs, go for that. But on the other hand, I'm going to listen to what my customers are saying and, 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 and listen to right. what they're asking for. And, and, and quite frankly, Dana, that's the thing that's different about my approach to CX, even if I get, so there's a couple who, you know, humps that I have to get over when I, when I engage with with business leaders about CX, and the first is that that very first one that we were talking about, which is what's the whole you know how how does CX function in the first place? And it's getting them to 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 extract themselves from thinking that it's about fixing customers' problems in 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 the beginning, or or, or as they happen rather, and and instead considering it as something that's process and system wide and enterprise wide about how we how we change and fix and address and improve our systems. Then the next hump that I always have to get over is okay, great, so. It's all about being, you know, being everything to the customers then and making, you know, delivering these wow experiences every time. And I say, no, 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 hold on. It's not necessarily that either, because that's where we fall into the trap of believing somehow or another that if we quote unquote do CX, that that is going to mean that our sales are going to skyrocket and our revenue is just going to come, you know, rolling in and and we're going to max out the market every time. And that's not necessarily it. And when we promise things like that out of CX, we have a bad quarter or a bad year. Well, guess who gets chopped up? Well, okay, well, we did CX and that didn't deliver. So so we're moving on to something else. Like, okay, well, no, you didn't really do CX. Or if you did CX, you didn't do it right. The way that you do CX right is to recognize that CX isn't isn't designed to create an ROI. And give a second for all of my CX peeps brains to explode because they don't want me saying that. Yeah. <laughs> they want to insist that there is this deliverable ROI, that there is a guaranteed for every point of NPS that you increase, you will see your market share increase this percent. Or for every point of CSAT that goes up, that turns into this amount of revenue. Well, that's not the case if you're doing it right. right? <clears throat> the purpose of CX is to align what your customers experience when they interact with your brand, with your brand promise. Now, that brand promise is a specific thing. You may provide a service or create a product and the niche, the corner of the market that you're trying to dominate might be, ours are the highest quality products. We, you know, we, we go to the ends of the earth to, to, to deliver the best, highest quality, most reliable product, right? If you're in service, it might be about a luxury experience. We want to deliver the concierge white glove experience so that when our customers receive service from us, they feel like kings and queens. And that's what we deliver. And that's what we uh, strive to make at every point. Then your CX comes in. And CX is all about listening to your customers. And it's listening to your customers in all different ways, surveying, obviously, interviewing, obviously, walking in your customer's shoes, experiencing your brand the way your customers do. But it's also listening to those internal customer support, customer success, customer care organizations say, hey, we're getting a lot of complaints about this, or we're addressing this problem, this issue over and over. We just talked, you know, the first part of of our discussion, Dan, about about that Mm -hmm. source of customer insights. But then the most important thing is acting upon that. Right. 
And you act upon that and prioritize your actions and prioritize your projects and what you're going to put your efforts toward based on the ways in which you're missing that brand promise. If your brand promise is high quality, you scour your customer insights, VOC surveys, all this, looking for ways in which your customers are highlighting and pointing out to you that your quality is dropping. Not necessarily that your ease of use is dropping, not that you're not wowing your customer you know, at every interaction. If your brand is luxury, then you listen to your voice of customer. You listen to those customer insights and you listen and you look specifically for instances where your customers are telling you, you know, yeah, yeah your stuff's good, but it just isn't luxurious. Your stuff's good. I mean, your quality's all right and, and that's great. But I come here because you promised me luxury. Mm-hmm. Your brand promises luxury and you're not delivering on luxury, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think about your brand promise, that's the only purpose, the sole purpose for having CX in the first place is to eliminate the gap between your brand promise and what your customers experience when they interact with your brand. And that goes whatever your brand promise is. You could be the discount brand. We're here to save money. We're here to provide value. Well, then your customers recognize that the quality of your product may not be as good as like, say, your next most expensive competitor, right? But that's not your brand promise in the first place. So it should be pretty straightforward that when you're looking through your customer insights and you're looking for ways to improve what you do, which is how CX works, you're looking for ways to pass savings on to your customer, right? Right. Well, you know, um, getting back to where, you know, you were talking about the customer experience and improving revenue and, and, and growth, massive growth and all this other stuff. And I understand what you're saying as far as that is concerned, um, because that isn't what the customer experience is, you know, the way I understand it as well. Uh, but what the customer experience and, and going through the process of developing that customer experience, it does impact not only your retention rate of your customers, customer loyalty, uh, it also um, uh, impacts your, um, your fans, your, your raving fans on the back end, because those fans will turn around and become your, your outside salespeople. <laughs> so that could increase your and then the other thing is, is just went out of my damn head. <laughs> well, you know, that, that that's an opportunity for me to jump in there and emphasize yeah. the point that you just made, Dana, because I, I agree wholeheartedly. When people ask me as, as a CX guy, as, as, as a fractional chief customer officer, I'm right. talking to a potential client and they say, well, what's the ROI? I'll say, look, I am a, uh, I'm a literalist at heart. I really believe in the power of mission and vision and corporate principles and values. And I think most business leaders do. I don't think that there's there's a contingent of CEOs out there. They're like, ah, we wrote that thing and we put, we hung, we hung it down in the lobby and, you know, they don't really, I think successful companies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I agree a hundred percent. And I wouldn't want to work with those that that don't take their own principles seriously anyway. So when I'm faced with the question of, ROI? What's the ROI of doing CX? What's the return on that investment? What, you know, what will you produce for me in terms of revenue? I always say, look, let me turn that question around. Do you believe that at every turn, every interaction through an entire journey with your brand, 
if your customers reflected to you that, yes, absolutely, you are living up to your brand promise, you are living up to your core principles and values, your mission and vision, vision statements, do you believe that that would, that that would produce good business results? And they're like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, we put a lot of work into that. We really do believe those. And we come in every day trying to meet those goals. And the reason we made those goals, what we made them is because we believe that's the key to success in business. And I said, well, great. You have already sold yourself on CX then. Yeah. Let's get to work on removing that gap. And what's nice about taking that approach, Dana, is that we can be honest about it. Right. We don't have to wonder down the road a quarter or a year. Well, hold on. We ask our, and we, we ask our, and, and I've, I've created a new, a new KPI, a new metric. It's called the brand alignment score. And in it, you ask your customers, hey, well, you tell your customers, this is our brand promise. We strive to be the ease of use brand. Whenever you interact with our company or and buy our product or, or subscribe to our service, our goal is to make it easy and, and, and seamless and effortless for you. That's what we would tend to be. And then you say, you know, on a scale from zero to 10 or one to five or a smiley face, frowny face, how are we doing when it comes to that, right? So you baseline and then you fast forward a year and you identify ways in which you are not the ease of use brand, whether it be, you know, your shipping process or your ordering process or the way that your widget, you know, fits in, you know, with other, with the widgets that your customers already have, whatever the reason might be, whatever might make your product or service not easy to use. And you spend a year improving that. And at the end of that year, you take a look back at your brand alignment score. You say, we have improved 50%, 80% over last year in our brand alignment score. Right. Awesome. And then you look at your revenue or you look at your sales and say, like, I don't know why our sales aren't improving. I don't know why our, our revenue hasn't gone up. And what you might have to come to the conclusion of is that as good as you are at ease of use, there's just no market for ease of use in what you sell. Yeah. Customers want highest quality. They don't care necessarily about how easy they will exactly use it. your competitor's yeah. product, even though it's harder to use, but because it's cheaper to buy. And yeah. so your market for ease of use for what you sell your product doesn't exist because people just, it's commoditized in such a way. They're like, yeah, they're always a pain in the neck to use, but the, the, this one costs half of what you're charging. And twice again, isn't worth the ease of use. So, okay, yeah. now what you can do is instead of saying, ah, CX is a bunch of hooey, I'm not even gonna bother with CX anymore. You say, okay, we've clearly met the market for ease of use, but it's not there. So maybe let's you know, take that, that ski weekend uh, executive leadership team and let's talk about maybe a different approach to the market. Right. Maybe our, our values and principles as good as they are that there isn't a place in the market for that. Wow, that's a complicated and very awkward conversation to have as a leadership team, but you'll never have it if all you do is just uh, blame the CX guy that came in and told us that we'd get these awesome revenue you know, goals if we did CX, quote unquote, did CX. And like, okay, you'll never even have the opportunity to have that existential discussion. And you'll continue to convince yourself that it's not that that's keeping you from succeeding. Right, right. And so, so- as, as we're talking, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how do we sum this up for my, my clients, okay, or my listeners? And there's two things that I'm focusing on. First of all, um, CX, when it comes to a company, 
especially a company that's growing, all right, they pretty much have this, the idea of CX in the back, you know, of, of their minds. They just can't identify it. And so that's where we, that's where we were discussing as far as um, when we were talking about the school and, the, and, you know, identifying where the issues are, what, what problems are there and how we can eliminate those. And the other thing is that I hear when we're talking is if it becomes a one-sided conversation, all right, whereas it's just internal assumptions made as opposed to really talking to the customers and finding out what do they want. You know, uh, a perfect example is, you know, um, you know, I have three pet peeves that I absolutely hate. And that is stopping at the grocery store, getting gas, and going to the bank. All right. Those were normally, I now have going by my cell phone service provider to get my phone fixed. Because I had a, um, it was an iPhone 6 at the time. And it kept dying on me. It kept, you know, uh, memory loss, you know, and the stuff like that. And I just didn't have time to go by the service provider to find out what's going on. And I use my phone for everything, for business, everything. And I went in there finally after about two or three weeks. And he says, oh, well, you know, it's because you're, you're blocking all these numbers because you get all these spam numbers and I was blocking them and everything. And, uh, and that's just, that's eating up your memory. And I said, okay, I said, um, so this is the first I've heard about it. You know, why, you know, I says, you know, that I use my phone for business and you've got me in your database. You knew I had an iPhone six. He says, yeah, and we're out at 10 now. And so we don't (laughs) even service the sixes anymore. And I says, why is it so hard for you to trigger your database to notify me saying, here are problems that we have noticed with the iPhone 6. If you're experiencing any of those, you might want to consider upgrading or coming in, you know, rather than waiting for me to call you. To me, that is customer experience. Yet, I'd say, Dana, one of the things that, that I think you're describing there is the tendency for businesses and for brands to sell what they sell. And at yeah. this point, it wasn't even the phone. It wasn't the physical phone. It was the service itself. Right. Sell what they sell and perceive and interpret what you want as a customer in that's terms true. of what they provide. Yeah. Rather than exactly what your job saying. to get done and what your needs are and saying, oh, given that we know what you want and what you need, here is a slate of what we offer and different ways in which it can meet those needs rather than saying they, they do it the other way around. They say, here's yeah. what we do. Do any of these work for you? Yeah. And it's up to you to decide, Oh no, not this one, not this one, not this one, yeah. or maybe even mm-hmm. not any of yours. And I'm going to go next door to your competitors. Right. Yeah. They yeah. don't think in terms of your job to get done, as we say in the CX world, your job right. is to get done. They think yeah. of, the things that we sell. And I've, I've experienced it myself. I've worked internally and I've worked with clients. When I even look at, at, their, at their KPIs and I say, okay, so you're using NPS and nobody uses NPS anymore, right? I mean, everybody's using the brand alignment score, right, Dana? And they, they, 
They'll segment their questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll segment their questions and then they'll slice and dice their data based on their lines of business, for example. I don't know. Why don't you slice and dice based on your type of customer? And define your customer not as, well, we have these four lines of business and we have some customers that use this, some that use this, some that use this, and some that they use this. I say, you're still missing the point. You have these different types of customers. You have business and you have, you have your commercial and your consumer. Okay, that makes sense because that really is a difference between, between your customer types. Right. And then you have some that are like really heavy users and some that are light users. And you have some that, that are using it recreationally and some that are using it for business. Okay, now you're getting to it. Now, when you look at your suite of offerings, the things that you provide and the things that you produce, you see that there's overlap here and there, right? Right. And, and, and it might lead you to crazy things like, okay, we have one line for this, you know, this product that we create, but we need to kind of split the line because we have users that use it in different ways. Right. Now you're actually developing what you build. Exactly. To service your customers and to address what their needs are and what their jobs are to be done rather than just say, we build these four things. And if what you want falls into the, one of these four categories, that's exactly. awesome. And I think that you'll like that. So we're substituting our view of what you want for your view of what you're trying to accomplish. Nope, that's exactly it. You know, and that's a matter of watching your customer customers, listening to your customers, watching the market, you know, seeing where things are going, mm-hmm. um, all of that. So, Z, <laughs> let's talk about your book you have. Okay. Yeah. Can you Thanks. tell our audience a little bit about your book? Sure. It's called We're Doing CX Wrong and How to Get It Right. And I happen to have it right here for those of you who are watching. <laughs> uh, and and it, I made it, built it much more as just kind of a, like a three-dimensional CV. You know, I'm a fractional chief customer officer and I was fielding questions from clients and potential clients. Well, what is CX? Just like we've been talking, Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it and how do you do it? And I said, well, you know, it might be easier for me to just build it out and write it out. And, and you know, I've got my framework like you would have at McKinsey or Accenture or whatever. And I said, right. here's, here's the framework and here's how it works. Um, but then as I was building it, I, you know, writing out this book, I thought, you know, I need not so much a hook, but a framework a frame to hang it on. Like, why would anybody want to pick it up other than, hey, Z, you sound cool. And let's let's read what you would do if you came in and helped us build CX in our organization. Because that's really what a fractional officer does is, you know, soup to nuts, in a box, whatever it is, whether you're talking about a, a fractional CFO or a fractional C- CHRO or something like that, that person comes into your organization and builds out that function on your behalf and then, all right, good. Now hire yourself a, a full time, and then and you're up, you're up and running. So, I wanted to make it something that was compelling. And as I sat and thought about it, and reflected on it, and spoke with other CX professionals, what I noticed was there are a lot of silly things that we do in CX. We ask stupid questions of our customers, quite frankly, and we ask stupid questions of our customers that we don't really care to know what the answer is. I mean, why on earth are we asking people whether or not they would recommend our product or service to their friends and relatives? Why do we ask that? If you stop and think about it, the only reason really that we're asking that is either, well, that's what Fred Reichelt said that we should do, and that's what everybody else is doing, or because we think it's this magic silver bullet that will answer our revenue and sales questions, right? Um, Neither of which is really... A genuine reason to ask it because we don't care to know what the answer is. It's only a means mm-hmm. to an end. 
And that reflected what I thought was a more fundamental philosophical problem with the entire approach to CX, which is we're doing it for the wrong reason. We're doing it because we want those higher revenues and we want higher sales and we want greater market share. Now, look, I'm not a Pollyanna. I recognize that we're all in the business of business to make money. And I want you to do well too. I want my clients to do well. But it's one thing to say, well, customers are most are the most important thing to us. And we want to dedicate ourselves fully and wholly and completely and totally to our customers. And it's another thing to say, so why should I do CX? Oh, there's an ROI on it. Well, and see, that's where you're right. You know, I think the wrong questions or the wrong um, reasons, like you said, are being um, quoted for putting in CS. All of that will come in the long run, you know, but that's not the reason you incorporate CX. You want to incorporate CX because you want to retain those customers and build those raving fans on the back end so that it will lead to more revenue. Yeah, surely. Dan. Higher and, profit and, margins. Yeah. yeah, and, un- and undoubtedly it will as long as there's a market for what your brand promise is. Exactly. And the thing is that when I looked at the things that we do wrong in CX, we ask questions that we really don't know the answer to. Well, why is that? Well, because we don't intend to act on it, which is the next big mistake we make. We collect all this VOC data and all this customer insight data, and then we hang it up on a, on a PowerPoint slide. We look right. at it once a quarter and say, hey, great for us. We're doing better in our NPS than we were last quarter. Right. Or, oh, no, we're doing worse. And then we don't do anything with it. We don't turn that into action. And so we never are taking charge of that number and trying to drive that number, whether you're using NPS or CSAT or customer effort score, or this awesome, great new brand alignment score, whatever you're using, if the reason that you're collecting it isn't so that you can gain insight on what to do and therefore take that action, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting your customer's time in the first place. And the whole, uh, the, the, at the core of why that's happening is because people aren't doing CX for the right reason. So I turn that all around and I say, all right, here's the answer. Here's the actual purpose. Here's the reason. It's to drive, it's to drive away that gap between your brand, uh, your brand promise and your customer's experiences with your brand. And then here's what you actually do with your VOC. Here's what you do with process engineering. Here's what you do to build a CX culture within your organization. We haven't even talked about that yet, Dan. Yeah. And so the book itself is... Part, I just said it's part manifesto, part cookbook. Okay. It's the the raging, I'm angry, we're doing it wrong. And here's the core and the reason why we're doing it wrong. So for all for all that's good in this world, stop doing it that way. And oh, by the way, here's the right way to do it. And 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 this is how you know this is how you roll out the operation of CX within your organization. Then there are a couple notes toward the end about uh, you know things to keep in mind, uh, characteristics of a good chief customer officer, um, the the build out and the structure of your office of the customer, and some some extra notes for the CEO that are that are also towards the end. So um, I don't know if I've talked to you this uh, about this before. I think we had touch base on it about possibly presenting a webinar, an informational webinar. Did we talk about that before? I'm not sure um, that we had uh, we had talked about it, but I certainly got enough, uh, <laughs> enough rattling I would, around. <laughs> to, I would love it. to get you on a webinar, um, talking more in, into more detail on this um, for, for my listeners, as well as other additional people. And then possibly maybe talk about building a, a, a introductory course to go into the academy. Sure. 
you know, that would help as well. We can talk about that more. And for our listeners out there, should that happen, I will be putting it out to you so that you all know that we're doing this and when it's going to happen and everything. Um, do you, can you let our listeners know where they can get your book? Yeah, you bet. It is on Amazon. Just search for my name, Zeisler, Z-E-I-S-L-E-R. There's some other books by other people with my crazy last name, but you can also find it on a QR code at my LinkedIn site. And that is uh, LinkedIn. The profile is Zeisler Consulting. Okay. All right. And what is your um, email? Do you want to do that or just? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's Nicholas at ZeislerConsulting.com. It's also right there on my, on my LinkedIn. Um, that's a great resource. In fact, LinkedIn, uh, I cross post all of my articles and, and, and all of these, uh, you know, these appearances <laughs> and so forth uh, on, on LinkedIn as well. That's a pretty robust uh, source, source of, 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 of all my ramblings, if you will. No, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, Okay, so that's it, guys. I want to thank you for joining us today. Make sure to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery platform you are on today or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. If you want to learn more about different topics associated with with, uh, customer experience and growing a successful business, visit our online e-learning platform called marketatomy.academy. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again next week for another exciting episode where small businesses get charged up for success. Thank you once again, Z. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.